0: God, we recognize it's not a may, it's not our flesh may fail, our flesh will fail. It's not we may be weak, we are weak. And often we trust in our own understanding. But tonight we pray that we would lean on something that is stronger, that has a deeper foundation. So we want to lean on you. Thank you for tonight. Thank you that you say that you're here, you're present. So would you move, would you teach us, would you encourage us, drive us towards the life, the path that you want us to follow? We pray this all in your name, Jesus, and all of God's people said, amen. And all of God's people can grab a seat. So my name is Joel Mitchell, and I am stealing your music stand, Alex Amo. And I am so excited to be here tonight. I am the high school director here at Trinity, which means... I love showing video clips during sermons. It also means, I don't know if all high school directors do this, but I love Disney, anything Disney. It's amazing. Star Wars, Pixar, Captain Marvel just came out. Whatever it is, I love Disney. Um, It's so good. I'm a Disney apologist. I'll defend Disney. And so tonight, I felt like I had to. Start with a movie clip. This is from a clip, one of my favorite movies. It's from Pixar's Disney Pixar's Inside Out. And in this movie, there are five different emotions. There's anger, joy, sadness, disgust, and fear. There are these emotions that are personified uh, in this girl's head. And what you're about to see is what happens when joy, the joy emotion, is gone, and the other emotions are trying to figure out what they're going to do to handle this confrontation with two other humans so let's watch this clip so as it turns out the green trash can is not recycling it's for greens like compost and eggshells Mm. and the blue one is recycling and the black one riley is acting so weird why is she acting so weird what do you expect all the islands are down joy would know what to do that's it until she gets back we just do what Joy would do. Great idea. Anger, fear, disgust. How are we supposed to be happy? Hey, Riley, I've got good news. I found a junior hockey league right here in San Francisco. And get this, tryouts are tomorrow after school. What luck, right? Hockey? Uh-oh, what do we do? Guys, uh, this, this uh, here, you, you pretend to be Joy. Won't it be great to be back out on the ice? Oh, yeah, that sounds fantastic. What was that? That wasn't anything like Joy! Uh, because I'm not Joy? Yeah, no kidding. Did you guys pick up on that? Uh, Mm -hmm. huh. Oh, yeah. Something's wrong. Should we ask her? Let's probe. But keep it subtle, so she doesn't notice. So, how was the first day of school? She's probing us. I'm done. You pretend to be Joy. What? Okay, um, hmm. It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Oh, very smooth. That was just like Joy. Something is definitely going on. She's never acted like this before. What should we do? We're going to find out what's happening. But we'll need support. Signal the husband. Ahem. Uh-oh. She's looking at us. Uh, What did she say? What? Oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? <sighs> He's making that stupid face again. I could strangle him right now. Signal him again. Ah, so, Riley, how was school? Oh, you kidding me. For this, we gave up that Brazilian helicopter pilot? Boo! I'll be joy! School was great, all right? Riley, is everything okay? Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. What is her deal? All right, make a show of force. I don't want to have to put the foot down. No, not the foot. Riley, I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll show you attitude. No, 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 stay happy. (laughs) What is your problem? Just leave me alone. Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2. You heard that, gentlemen, DEFCON 2. Listen, young lady, I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this, Pops? Come and get it! Yeah, well, look... Well... Here it comes. Prepare the foot. Keys to second position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. Just shut up! Fire! That's it. Go to your room. Now. Ah! foot is down. The foot is down. Woo! Good job, gentlemen. That could have been a disaster. Well, that was a disaster. <laughs> Come, fly with me, Oh, my goodness. I, I love that. Is it, some people probably had that experience just now. Anybody at dinner? No, don't raise your hand. Don't look at your family. So tonight, we're talking about emotions. We're talking about emotions. What do you do with your emotions? Do you let them, some of us feel sometimes like our emotions run us are in, and are in control of us. What do we do with our emotions? When I was thinking about it this week, I realized that a lot of us, especially when it comes to the church, we talk about how to read our Bible well, and we talk about how to pray, and we teach people how to fast, and we teach people all these spiritual disciplines. But rarely do we talk about how to handle our emotions. What do we do with our emotions? Um, Turn to someone next to you and tell them they are not a robot. You are not a robot. You have emotions. And Jesus cares about your emotions. He cares about them. Jesus doesn't just want to teach you how to read the Bible. He doesn't just want to teach you how to pray. Jesus he wants the rule and reign of the kingdom to invade your whole life. Not just what we call our spiritual life. Jesus cares about how we feel. And, and, and we know that Jesus felt things. In Matthew 6.30, there was this scene where, where Jesus is just really tired. And, and he tells his disciples, we, we need to go to a quiet place and get some rest. And so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Right? So they're they're super tired. Jesus is tired. He's he's ready to just go to a place away from people and listen to what happens. But many saw them leaving, recognized them, and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So they get to this place that they would just want to relax at, and everyone else has come in. And and, and then, what, what does Jesus do? Is Jesus angry? No. It says he's moved with compassion. So he he's 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 been tired. He wants to rest. But then he sees people who don't have a shepherd, and he's moved to compassion. And so in this moment, we see that Jesus got tired, that Jesus needed to rest. Earlier in that passage, it says he was hungry, and then it says he was deeply moved with compassion. I'm just going to kind of pick some some verses out and show you how Jesus felt things. Uh, in Luke 7, verses 11 through 17, there's this scene where Jesus comes upon a large crowd that were carrying um, a dead young son out in the city of Nain. A large crowd from the town w- was, was there, and when the Lord saw her, when the Lord saw the mother of this son, listen to this, it says, his heart, Jesus' heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Jesus' heart was, was turned, and he felt compassion. And then he heals this son, and then later it says that they all sang with joy. So Jesus goes from experiencing sadness and pain, resonating with grief, to joy. And then there's this crazy uh, scene in John 2. Did anyone grow up with felt boards in Sunday school? They had these things called felt boards, which they were amazing. Probably before there were TVs and cool you know, 3D models of things, there were felt boards. And w- with felt boards, they would just have... Actually, I have a whole box of felt things. They were going to throw away all the felt stuff. And I was like, no, for a high school sermon series, we'll use the felt stuff at some point. So in high school storage, it's taken up by felt items. Um, And so there are all these little felt things, and you would say, boom, this is Jesus. And you would put them on the felt board, and you put the the lamb and the sheep on the felt board, whatever, and you could create your scene. But I've never, I don't remember, and a Sunday school teacher, if you're here, you can come call me out. But I don't remember seeing John 2 where Jesus comes into the temple and turns the table of the money, money changers, that was never on a felt board. That was, uh, could you imagine being in Sunday school and just, yeah, and then Jesus came in with righteous anger and he turned the tables over and he said, don't make my, the father's house a house of thieves. And then it says, his disciples remember that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. I don't remember that Jesus being on a felt board. I think we all know like the Mr. Rogers Jesus. We all know the long flowing locks holding a lamb Jesus. But Jesus felt righteous anger. He felt emotions. Jesus was an emotional being. Jesus got angry. Jesus was tired. And and Jesus also shows us how we can handle our emotions. I feel like a lot of us, we know what to do with our good emotions, right? Well, if something feels good, if, if, if you are having, you know, you're experiencing joy and happiness, what do we do? We try to make it last, right? So you're eating in and out, and it's amazing, and you're loving this experience, and you eat it fast at first, but then when you get towards the end, you slow down because you don't. I was just in Israel and Jordan um, on a uh, trip with Doug. They went to a, for, to a Holy Land trip, so when I got back and I had in and out, just, I ate it so fast, and then I slowed down because it was so good. When I was little, actually, uh, we—I don't know if you ever did this, where there was like maybe candy that was so good that you would chew on it and then kind of spit it back up so you could eat it again, right? You hold on to the joy. <laughs> that was gross. That's not in my notes. I just thought of it. Um, but we know what to do with happy things: savor it, sit in it. But what do we do with bad emotions? What do we do with pain? What do we do with frustration? What do we do with those things? And we are disciples of Jesus, which means we are following the way of Jesus. And so Jesus shows us a way, uh, he shows us what we're supposed to do with our emotions. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. What do we do with our emotions? And there's two kind of ways, main ways that I see us not doing what Jesus would do. Um, There's kind of three options that we're going to go through tonight. Escape, you can escape your emotions, you can try to do that, you can fake it, or You can take it to Jesus. That's kind of where we're going tonight. So, the first thing you can do is you can try to escape your emotions. When I was little, every time I got hurt, every time I got hurt, I would scream and I would run in circles. My parents are here somewhere, they're over here in the back. And they remember this. And they remember that it, they didn't know, was it a splinter or did he chop his whole hand off? It, it was the same. The, the screaming and the level of hysteria was the exact same. And I would run around the house and I would run through and I would hit things and I would just run so fast because I thought maybe if I moved really fast, I, you wouldn't feel the pain, um, which is a ridiculous thing for a child to do. But, but we also do that as a culture. We run from pain. We run from things that, are discom- um, that, that, aren't, that aren't comfortable we, we run away from those things. We try to escape them, and we turn on the worship music really loud, or we put Netflix back on and watch The Office or whatever, Hoarders, I don't know, again, and, and we watch those TV shows, and we kind of, we distract ourselves, and we try to escape, which is why sometimes, if we're honest, it's kind of uncomfortable to pray or to read the Bible, because in those moments, we're slowing down, and... The volume of our life is turned down, and maybe all of the emotions start to come up that we've been trying to run from. And so we escape it. We also might fake it. And we talked about faking it a little bit in high school group today, and I already used this uh, analogy, so sorry, high school students. But Emmett in Lego in the Lego movie. If you know the song in the Lego movie, the song goes, Everything is awesome, everything is cool when you're part of a team, if you know this song. And a lot of us, we fake it and we say, everything is awesome. Meanwhile, I'm really lonely in my life. <laughs> everything is awesome. But I have a lot of doubts about my faith that I'm not telling anybody. Everything is awesome. But I, I'm actually really angry with my whole family and I'm bitter towards them. But everything is awesome, <laughs> right? And we, it's ridiculous, but we do this. We fake and we pretend like everything is okay. And if people ask us, how are you doing? We say, it's so great. Jesus is awesome, and everything is amazing. But in reality, we have things that we're suppressing. And so we might try to escape, we might try to fake. Um, but there's, um, there's another way, and we can take those things to Jesus. And, and before we talk about what Jesus did with his emotions, something that we see throughout Scripture is that God gave us our emotions as a gift. He gave us our emotions as a gift. Like when we feel hungry... That's a really good thing. Our body has the ability to tell us when we're hungry. Because if it didn't, we might go weeks without eating. You're like, that's not me. I would never go weeks without eating. But but maybe. We we have these cravings. And so in the same way, like, I have a light on the dashboard of my car. I have, like, three lights that are on right now, actually. And (laughs) seriously, the the mechanics, they said, it's going to be fine. Maybe a 1,000 miles later, something's going to happen. I'm like, what's going to happen? And they said, I don't know. Come back in. We'll find out. The lights on your car are not there to irritate you. They're there for you. They're there to help you. And so our emotions are meant to be indicators. They're they're meant to be windows into, hey, what's actually going on in my heart? What's going on in my life? God gave you your emotions, and they're meant to be a gift, and so we should find out why they're there. Um, So Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. That is so hard. I had a hard time in Israel saying that. I kept saying Gethsemane. That is not it. It's Gethsemane. And we actually went to the Garden of Gethsemane. This would going to be so hard. Why did I pick this passage? And when you're, when you're actually in the garden uh, with the olive trees, you can see down, and you can actually see uh, the, the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. You can see it. It's just like if you're on the top of Orange County Mining Company and you're looking down into Tustin. Like, you can see it. And I just imagine Jesus is in this garden. He can see where he's about to be crucified. He can see where he's about to be buried. He can see it all. And it's in that moment where he's feeling these emotions that he does the third thing. He takes his emotions to the Father. In in verse 36, Jesus went with his disciples to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And it's, it's in this moment where actually he's, um, he's sweating blood, which is this I- extreme anxiety and exhaustion. But he says, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus doesn't sugarcoat things with his followers or with his father. He's honest. He doesn't filter. He says exactly what's going on. He doesn't fake it. He doesn't edit how he's feeling. And when I was in college, I um, did a paper on, uh, I had to do a paper on the Psalms which there's a psalm, Psalm 137, which is rated R. It is, We're going to put it up on the screen right now, so if you're a child in here, just cover your eyes uh, and ears. Um, it's rated R, and it's, if you look at the psalms, they're just honest, honest cries where, of where people are actually at and how people are actually feeling. And Psalm 137, it's the psalmist is crying out in anguish and frustration because God's people have been taken into exile, And the psalmist says, daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against rocks. Could you imagine someone reading the Bible and saying, I'm just going to open it and whatever I flip to, whatever I flip to, that's what I'm going to do. God, I'm going to follow you for real this time. I'm coming back to you. Psalm 137, dash the heads of infants on rocks. Oh, okay. Why is this in the Bible? Why is this here? Why didn't God edit that in his sovereignty? Why did he let it happen? And maybe it's because God is not as afraid of our emotions. Maybe God isn't as afraid of honesty as we are. This is just brutal honesty before God. Unedited, brutal honesty. I had a professor in college that said, we could pray the psalms. We could pray the imprecatory psalms, the psalms of just shouting out in anger and frustration. We can pray those things. We can worship to those things. Because at the end of the day, we're saying, God, this is how we feel, but I give my feelings to you. I surrender to your will. Um, God is not afraid of honesty. Two-thirds of the psalms are psalms of lament, psalms of people just saying, God, where are you? God, I don't feel like you're here. What's going on? Where and when will you show up? So what if our emotions, what if our disappointment, what if if those are actually places to meet with God? What if, when I was a worship, I I grew up a worship leader and led in high school group here and and in the, the worship services here, and I lead here sometimes. And I would often pray this prayer, and I'd pray, God, tonight we just want to leave all our baggage at the door. And now I realize, whoa, 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 what if that's not the point? What if the point, what if the Psalms and Jesus show us, bring your baggage in, lay it out. Jesus in the garden sits in the place of pain and says, this is how I feel, unedited, unfiltered. And so he does that. He brings the Father his emotions. With his emotions, he also brings him his desires. He says, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Jesus says if there's any other way, Jesus is kind of saying, I would rather not, because Jesus knows. He knows the suffering, the excruciating pain, what the Romans are going to do to him. He knows this. And he's not, he, does he want to do it? Yeah, he has a deeper desire than, than these desires, not the desire to please the will of the Father. But these desires up here, he's like, is there any other way? And Jesus is honest to the Father about his desires. If there's any other way, if there's any other way. And so tonight, as we worship, what if we were honest to God about our desires? I feel like for me, I only give God my really good desires. Like, God, help the poor. God, I really want you to bring peace to Tustin. And sometimes I only pray the good desires, and all the bad desires, I don't give him. Okay, but what if, what if God already knows your desires? What if you're like a clear glass to him? He sees everything inside. And what if tonight you could say, God, I'm not feeling like I want to worship. God, what if in the place, uh, what if you're in a place where you feel like, God, I just, I want to lust. God, I'm feeling lustful right now. What if you gave him the desire of, I really, I'm single and I really want to be in a relationship. Or you gave him the desire, I'm in a relationship and I really want to be single. Like, what if you were honest with the Father about your desires Not saying you're going to get those things, but when you're honest and when you worship. Jesus recalibrates your desires. Worship is the arena in which God recalibrates our hearts, reforms our desires, and rehabituates our loves. Worship isn't just something we do, it's where God does something to us. Worship is the heart of discipleship because it's the gymnasium in which God retrains our hearts. Bring, God, your desires not just the best ones, bring him the worst things that you want, and say, this is what I want. And as you worship and as you pray, he will reform your desires to be more in line with his will, but don't hide those things from him. Bring your emotions, bring your desires, bring it all to him, and then surrender. Surrender. Don't make your emotions an idol. Don't make, you know, we don't worship our emotions. We worship our God. We worship our God. So at the end, Jesus says uh, three times, I love it, because I love repeating things in worship. Jesus had to have his little worship song, but not my will, but yours be done. But not my will, but yours be done. But not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is making a decision about where he places his trust. So tonight, let's bring him our emotions, let's bring him our desires, unfiltered, and trust that regardless of what we're experiencing, that there is a God that is, that is better. That regardless of our emotions that change and our desires that change, there's a God who's unchangeable. Um, so tonight, your invitation, your invitation is to invite God into your emotions, into your desires. Um, and how do we do that? I feel like sometimes it's hard for us to be able to answer that question. When people ask you, how are you doing, you feel like you just, you say, good. And sometimes we don't create space for ourselves to ask, how are we actually doing? Um, and so right here, on a, we have a, a list of hundreds of emotions that are blurry and you might not be able to see. But I just want you to spend a few moments that I'm going to give you now. Um, maybe find something up here that resonates with what you're feeling right now in this moment. Don't try to fix it. Um, just try to feel it. Um, Look up and see. And I just want to invite you to just close your eyes. And, and just in your own way, in your own words, just, just tell God, hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is my desires. This is what's happening. Just spend some time of just unfiltered honesty. Maybe you've been honest to others in your life about what's going on, but you actually haven't talked to him. Just spend some moments doing that. Jesus, thank you that you didn't escape. You could have called angels down, you could have rescued yourself, but you didn't escape the place of pain. You didn't fake it, you didn't filter it, you sat in the place of pain. You surrendered to the will of the Father. You took your emotions to the cross, and because of that, we can take our emotions to the cross. We can take them to you. So tonight, there's some of us in here that are feeling maybe just we're in a good place. The the streams are running. The land is plentiful. And, And from that place of joy, we should sing, blessed be your name. We should praise you. Others of us are in places of of desert, or maybe we're just disinterested in this whole thing. And we've been pretending like we're in a place that we're not. And so we just want to be honest in that place too. Jesus, we thank you for the emotions that you've given us as a gift. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's uh, let's stand as we continue in worship. I want to read one quote as we go back into worship. Ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality. And reality is where we meet with God. Emotions are the language of the soul. In neglecting our intense emotions, we are false to ourselves and lose a wonderful opportunity to know God. We forget that change comes through brutal honesty and vulnerability before God. Only face-to-face with our deepest ruling passions is there hope of redeeming the fabric of our inner world. Let's bring him our emotions. Let's bring him our desires and let him recalibrate us into his image. Let's worship him in honesty now. Amen.